You want to find the happy medium of validating their feelings, but also gently encouraging them to work up to engaging and interacting with other children. This is the Curious Neuron Podcast, where we take a compassionate approach to science-based parenting. Join us as we break down the science of child development and parenting into digestible and applicable advice. Welcome. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Curious Neuron Podcast. My name is Cindy Huffington, and I'm your host. I'll be joined later on by my co-host, Marion Van Horn. Today, we're focusing on the topic of shyness and social anxiety. Um, I wanted to touch upon both of these topics because I've received a few questions from parents who are wondering, first, you know, if you do have a child who's shy, should you be pushing them, you know, gently pushing them or guiding them so that they play with other kids? Then I had other parents questioning, where's the line with shyness? Where's that line where I should be questioning as a parent, you know, if I should seek some help or guidance to help to from from a doctor or a therapist? Um, is it social anxiety? Is it just shyness? Is shyness okay? And then the third reason is because I feel that as a society, we do move quickly to kind of label kids. And like I'll say in the interview, it's happened with my own kids as well, where just because they hesitate to speak to a new adult that's in their environment, that they're labeled right away by this adult as being shy. And I think that as we, as a society, we really need to kind of step back a little bit and let the child warm up to a situation because that's part of their development. Um, So that's why I wanted to address this topic with an expert. Our guest today is Dr. Kara Goodwin. She is a clinical psychologist who specializes in child development. I wanted to speak with her because we've connected on Instagram and she shares a lot of amazing information. We have a similar passion when it comes to taking research and making it accessible for parents. Um, And we've connected that way. You can reach her on Instagram at Parenting Translator. You can also get her book, I believe is available on Amazon. I'll put the link to all of her resources on our website. If you visit kirstenron.com, click on podcast, click on episode 38, and you'll find all her resources as well as some scientific articles so that if you'd like to read more into shyness, um, you can do so. Her book is called What to Do When You Feel Like Hitting, and it gives children evidence-based strategies to use when they're dysregulated. So I think it's a valuable resource for kids. I would like to thank the Tannenbaum Open Science Institute at the Neuro here in Montreal for sponsoring the Curious Neuron podcast. The Neuro is the first health sciences institution in the world to commit to open science, an approach to research that ensures scientific knowledge is shared widely and transparently. If you are enjoying the Curious Neuron podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, to leave a rating out of five stars, and to write a review. It would mean a lot to us. And you can follow Curious Neuron on Instagram at Curious underscore Neuron. And if you'd like to stay up to date with the podcast, you can follow the podcast itself at Curious Neuron Podcast. Before we get into today's topic, I wanted to chat about the family meeting that we had this week. So if you're unfamiliar with family meetings, it's a monthly free webinar slash parenting support group. It's on the first Monday of every month. Um, Next month in December, we'll be talking about play and toys. I'll talk about some toys that I recommend um, because, hey, it's the holidays. (laughs) And this week, what we discussed is emotion regulation skills in kids. I'll post the link to this on the podcast episode as well in case you want to learn more about it. You can listen to the audio for this um, family meeting as well. Um, I wanted to share one thing that we discussed because it might be helpful to you as a parent. Um, I spoke to parents about observing children's behaviors and and trying to approach it like a scientist. (laughs) So what you do or what I do that is very helpful is you write down the issue you'd like to solve within your home. So let's say you're really struggling with your child's behavior after daycare. So you write that at the center of a sheet of paper. And then you take a couple days to observe. Observe you know how your child is responding when you're they're struggling with that whatever it is during that moment um write down what 
could have triggered it, certain events that happened before it or things you said or things a sibling did or said. You could also write down who was present. So is it happening more often with you or your partner or another person, a grandparent or a caregiver? Is it happening um, right after daycare, like I said? Is it happening right before dinner or right after dinner? So write down everything you could possibly think of in that moment um, because after reading your notes over after a couple of days, there are usually patterns that emerge. And then once I, because I, I, I do this with the clients that I work with, after we see the patterns that emerge, then we kind of step outside a little bit and, and look at the big picture because there are many things that can impact that moment and how your child's behaving. It's not just that they're misbehaving in that moment. It's perhaps something that's triggering them. It could be a sensory thing, right? So it could be a sensory issue in the sense that when they come back from daycare, they're overstimulated. So sometimes just quieting things down and turning the TV off, um, lowering the lights a little bit and having a calming activity or just reading a book with them right before the meal kind of calms things down. But you would only know that if you start noticing the patterns. Then in addition to like their environment, we are part of the environment. So sometimes we are responding a certain way or perhaps not responding a certain way that triggers or continues a certain emotion or behavior in a child. Um, sometimes we're not offering the right guidance when it comes to emotion regulation skills. So there's a lot that could be contributing to that one behavior in your child. But we have to start by observing and taking notes and then you know, attacking it like a detective, like, okay, let me see, could it, could I try this? Might this work? Can I try this part? Whatever it is. But um, this is something that has helped me within my home, approaching it that way. And also, this is what I do with clients. We look at different parenting behaviors and we look at the environment. And breaking it down step by step really helps. Um, if you'd like some help, you can you can email me if you'd like some one-on-one coaching at info at curiousnon.com. And if you'd like to join the family meetings that we have, um, you know, we break it down by different topics every month. There, We start off the family meeting by discussing mental health and I give you little tips that you can try in your home. And then at the end of this family meeting, I turn the recording off and it becomes a safe space for parents to discuss their issues and, and to share their issues. Actually, Actually, this month, it was really nice. There was a parent that opened up about um, not being on the same page when it comes to parenting with their partner. And they felt that they were all alone in this. And other parents opened up and said that they were going through the same thing. So this is what I'm trying to create. I'm trying to create a space where you can learn, but also connect with other parents. So again, you can visit kirstjohn.com, click on free resources, and then select uh, join a family meeting. And you could just subscribe to the mailing list and you will get the link to this family meeting in your inbox. If you're wondering... If you're wondering why I had it this week when it wasn't the first Monday of the month, which is when the family meeting should be happening, it's because last week my family and I all had a cold. We were out for a good five days. Um, it started with uh, me and my daughter and then it just like moved on into the family. Luckily, the kids were the ones that recovered first, <laughs> but that meant they were kind of taking care of us and bringing us little fish crackers. <laughs> to my husband and I so that they can take care of us while we were just lying down on the floor <laughs> hoping this headache that makes your head feel as big as the house would go away um, but they were amazing and I'm glad that all of that is over and if you experience this where both parents are really sick um, and have to take care of kids oh, <laughs> I tip my hat to you it is not easy um, we were with them for the entire week <laughs> alone with them um, feeding them was so hard but they were so good we had pancakes one night and uh, pizza and they weren't complaining at all <laughs> I tried to do my best but like I said you know we survived and now <laughs> we're trying to recover um, in terms of sleep because yeah that was a hard week and also by the way I don't know if you remember in the spring where I said that the change in time right we had to spring forward and now we we fell back an hour it hit me harder in the spring well it hit me harder again now in the fall um, my kids have been okay they've you know been going to bed a bit earlier and waking up a bit earlier which I'm okay with um, but I've been more tired than anything this week and I think it's the combination of the cold mixed with the new time right now I'm just totally off um, it's 11 p.m. right now at night and I'm recording this and I'm trying my best to sound like I have energy because for the past few nights I've been going to bed at 9 or 9 30 um, which is really as you know me not normal I don't do that I usually work at night and I've been passing out <laughs> 
<laughs> putting the kids to bed. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know, I'm getting old. <laughs> All right, that's enough small chat for today. I know you're looking forward to today's episode. So let's move on to our interview with uh, Dr. Kara Goodwin. I will see you on the other side. Bye. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Curious Neuron podcast. I am here with my co-host, Marion. And we are talking today with Dr. Kara Goodwin, who is a psychologist, and we're talking about shyness and social skills in kids. Hi, Kara. Hi, so glad to be here. Thanks for joining us today. Um, this is has become, I guess, the most common question during the, the pandemic. Parents want to know, you know, how they could support their children's social skills when they're not really getting the social experiences that they were getting before. And also the topic of shyness, because very often adults or people will start labeling our kids as being shy. And then that word is being thrown around a lot in front of our kids. And, you know, what do we do about that? So we're going to talk a little bit about everything today. Um, but how about we begin by understanding what shyness is? How do you define it? And, you know, maybe that'll help a parent understand a little bit more. Yeah, great question. So shyness is really... Um, an anxiety or nervousness around social situations. Um, and as kids get older, that can involve um, a fear of social judgment. So they're thinking mm. that other people are viewing them negatively and that increases the anxiety. Um, and it can also involve like a self, kind of self-consciousness, um, but you don't really see that until kids um, begin to understand the perspective of others, which happens around like four or five. Um, so it, it initially involves, um, you know, an apprehension, a withdrawal from social situations. Um, and you can see this as early as infancy. Um, you see children that tend to be slightly more inhibited, slightly more withdrawn, you know, which tells us that there's probably something genetic related to shyness. I feel that as a parent, when people label my child as being shy or they, they would when they were younger, it feels like you've done something wrong, right? Yeah. It feels like you're like, well, what did I do wrong? How did I, what did I miss? Did I not push them enough? And then what I've seen from people around me is like, you'll kind of push your child and say like, just talk, go, go meet the child yeah. or go say something or speak. Is that the right way to go about it? Or should we be, should we let our child hesitate in those moments and take their time to warm up to somebody? Yeah, I mean, that's a, a great point that we do tend to view shyness in this negative light, um, you know, because, you know, our uh, Western culture tends to really value, you know, social mm. experiences and um, being outgoing and standing up for yourself. Um, and, you know, I think that's, it, it's important to remember that that's not necessarily um you know, shyness isn't necessarily a negative quality um, that we all kind of fall differently on this on this spectrum, and um, and that shy children are you know have a lot of strengths. They're they're careful in situations. They're more observant. Um, they're more likely to be empathetic and caring with other children because they're really paying attention to what's going on. Um, and I can speak to that because I have a child who is actually on the opposite side of the spectrum and is <laughs> overly outgoing. And, you know, I get in situations all the time where she says something that offends somebody um, or she, you know, would literally walk off with a stranger if I wasn't paying attention. Um, so, so there are positives and negatives to both sides. And I think if you do have a shy child, um, because they're going to be getting so many messages from the outside world that you know, this is a negative trait, you need to get over it to make sure you talk about their strengths. You know, you, when you walk into a situation, for example, you really pay attention and you're careful and that's going to really help you, um, you know, as you get older and explain to them how that's going to be helpful to them um, and why, you know, you're glad they are the way they are. Um, and I think if other adults around you say like, oh, your child's so shy, you know, try to subtly correct them, you know, saying, 
Yes, you know, she, she is like a little slower to warm up, um, but she's very good at noticing, you know, what's going on in the situation. And I'm, you know, so, so like, it's kind of a subtle way of being like, don't, don't say that about my child, <laughs> <laughs> but just correcting other adults around you that, you know, there's positives here too. And we don't want to label the child as shy, um, particularly since so many children tend to outgrow it. Um, did that address the question? I feel like I kind of got lost. <laughs> no, no, you did. <laughs> and you know, I'm glad that you just mentioned the age at that point at, at, right now, because so it, it, it seems even with my own children that they were very shy until about three-ish years old. And then after that, they take their time to warm up to a new person, but then they're very comfortable. Um, yeah. What are what's normal i guess and at what age is this very normal and what should we be looking out for in terms of as they're growing and and them being shy yes um so you know it really depends on the child like some children from day one like i was talking about one of my children um you'll never see shyness and mm -hmm. some children um you know when they're um around the toddler stage that's when children are really averse to uncertain or novel, you know, unfamiliar situations. Um, and so around the toddler ages is when you'll really see um, the shyness come up just because they have a greater sensitivity to these unfamiliar, uncertain kind of situations. Um, and depending on, you know, what happens in their environment, um, you know, how the parents respond, how other people respond, how much social practice they have, I think they can either, it can go one way or another. So it could go towards, um, you know, social anxiety, which is a um, very serious condition where um, social situations, it's almost like a phobia around social situations. Um, or it can go towards, like you said, with your children, um, growing out of it, gaining more self-confidence, um, gaining more social skills too. You know, a lot of, a lot of children, are shy because they don't know what to do in that situation. They don't know they're supposed to make eye contact. They don't know they're supposed to greet somebody when they walk in. Um, so as children gain social skills, they also gain more confidence and you can see um, their shyness decrease. What can um, we do as parents with young children to help develop those types of social skills at a young age? Is two years old too young to start that? No, no, you can start working on social skills as early as with your newborn, um, which would be, you know, a lot of talking and face-to-face -face interaction. Well, uh, serve in return, right? We don't even yeah. realize. Yeah, they're understanding that when they say something, we're responding and that's communication. Yes. And then, you know, as your children get older, you want to do a lot of modeling for them. Um which is, you know, in your own interactions, making sure you're remembering your own social skills and, and modeling <laughs> for them. Um, and then as they get older, working on, um, so with social skills, the key is really practice, 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 mm -hmm. um, because you can know what the social skills are, So, but putting them into practice. So first of all, you want to make, um, make something explicit, which means telling exactly what you want the child to do, um, because there are all these hidden rules of social interactions. And we just assume everybody knows, you know, knows what they are. But I think especially for our pandemic children that a lot of us have, um, it's really important to lay out exactly what those social rules are. So when you walk in a room, you look somebody in the eye, your eyes on their eyes, and you say, hello. Um, and that seems so obvious to us. Like you've seen me do it a million times. Um, but to, to really lay out exactly what are these social rules um, and then practice, practice, practice. So even if your child can recite to you exactly what the social rules are, you want to make sure you practice them. Um, you can start off with just practicing with your child. Um, and then eventually you want to work towards practicing with another child, their age or less familiar adults. So you can start off, you know, role-playing with your child, like pretend like I'm one of your friends. I walk into the room, you know, what do you do? 
and then, you know, work towards um, supervised play dates where you're kind of stepping in and helping them as needed. That's where play comes in, right? And play is so important. Like you said, this, the yeah. role play. I'm just playing pretend restaurant, playing pretend library or school where you're like, hi, nice to meet you, you know, and you make a friend and it's you're speaking to your child. Um, that's such a fun way to integrate that into your play. But you're teaching those social skills, which I, I had told parents once, you know, there it's not with COVID. It's not that they're completely out of everything that has to do with social yeah. skills because they're home with us and we can, especially at a young age, work with them through play. Um now you also mentioned play dates. What if what about if a child hasn't had any play dates this past two these past two years, almost two years? You know what what can we do? Are are Zoom calls with family members or friends just as effective? Um, you know I think Zoom calls are better than nothing. Um, mm -hmm. we should you know be as positive as as we can and and do what we can given our own you know, unique circumstances, which as you know, depends on so many things. Um, but, um, you know, I think as we're working towards having play dates again, you know, if it, it could be helpful to come up with your child with like, what are the rules of a play date and talk about it in advance. You could even, you know, make a little book together that you both write, you know, you write the words, your child draws the pictures, something like that. Um, you know, maybe, maybe one of the rules during the pandemic is everybody's going to keep their masks on um, and then get into like the more specific social rules. Like we, we um, take turns. So, you know, I'm going to have a turn with the, you know, whatever toy it is. And then after a few minutes or whatever is um, makes sense to your child, depending on their age, I'm going to give it to my friend. Um, you know, we play with, um, with toys safely when we're with our friends. So, you know, it's a nice way of saying oh we're not going to throw or yeah. <laughs> hit our friends with a toy. Um, so, so coming up with like, what are some rules of play dates and, and thinking through it as if, you know, you have never heard of a play date before. What exactly are we looking for? What exactly is expected? Um, and and try to come up and be very explicit and practice play dates too with your child. Um, you know, first um, you're the child who's coming over for the play date, and then they're the child who's coming over for a play date, and and go back and forth and practice that. Um, what happens if a parent has had a few play dates with their child and every time they show up, the child just doesn't want to play with the others because they're shy or they, you know, they're hesitating. Um, again, going back to the beginning, like I, I think the example was with adults, but now what happens when your child just refuses to because they, they don't want to play with that child? What, yeah. what can we do to, to help support them? Yeah, yeah. So in the moment, um, you know, what we want to be really careful about you know, first of all, don't completely dismiss their feelings. So don't say, fine, like, go ahead. Yeah. This is, this is ridiculous. Come on. Um, Cause then you're dismissing them and they're just, you know, and you might actually throw them into a situation that is really scary for them. And they're, and then their, their idea that social situations are scary has just been supported. And they're like, okay, I don't want to do that again. Or, you know, you don't want to do the other extreme, which is, you know, you rescue them from every sense. Oh, you don't want to have a play date. Okay. Okay. Sorry. We have to go home. It's over, Got it. you know, because then they learn, um, you know, that again, that it is, this is a scary situation. I was right to be anxious because even my mom was scared and she's mm. not scared of anything. Um, so you want to find the happy medium of validating their feelings, but also gently encouraging them to, you know, at their own pace, um, work up to um, engaging and interacting with other children. Um, and that can involve taking really small steps. Um, you know, maybe at the first play date, like they're in your lap the whole time mm. and all you're expecting of them is to just be there um, with the other child. They're just sitting in your lap. Maybe they're not even playing, but the expectation was to be there. And then you want to set, you know, very small goals that they'll work towards at their own pace. Um, you know, maybe at the next play date, um, you know, they're sitting right next to you. They're still not playing. 
they're, they're just out of your lap. <laughs> um, and then you'll work towards, okay, maybe they are handing toys back and forth with the other child. Maybe even though they're not talking to the child, they're, um, you know, shaking their head yes and no and, and interacting like in that way. And then ultimately working towards, um, you know, a normal kind of play date interaction, but taking those small steps towards that, starting with what's going to make them the least anxious um, and then working up to the things that make them more anxious. Yeah, I, I just think that's that's really important is this, this the patience and the timing. And I think coming out or in this pandemic and we, we see our kids are like, oh, what, what's happened? They're so shy. They're like, they can't even adapt to these so, normal social situations, but being mindful and aware that like things change very slowly and that they, they probably will get there, but we don't need to, yes. to, to rush it. And, but it can be, it can be really long to have like, in the, like three or four play dates where they're still sitting pretty close to you, but that eventually they will, that maybe we don't need to overreact. Yes. And we, you know, you want to be super careful to not put any pressure on them. Um, you know, because what we really want is for these social situations to be positive and fun. Um, and the more pressure we put on them, the more it's making the social situ situation not fun anymore. So you're just, you're telling them that, like, this is, you know, you're kind of reinforcing the anxiety. It's not fun for them. So really focusing on making it fun um, in whatever way you can, like using silliness and humor can help, um, you know, some sort of game or activity that you know they really like, like bring that to the play date. Um, so, so really focus on making sure it's fun for them. You mentioned the word anxiety now, I think a few times. So I'd like to touch on that because, you know, is shyness a certain level of healthy anxiety around a social skill and at what point we do we say to ourselves perhaps I should seek some help with for my child if the anxiety is a bit more yeah yeah so shyness you know it is a very normal response to new people new situations like you know it's it's good to be a little hesitant rather than you know, jump right in without any idea what's going on. Um, so, so it is definitely normal when you get concerned is when it's getting in the way of your child's life. Um, so if they, you know, are really want to have friends and their anxiety is keeping them from even being comfortable around, you know, making friends. Um, and, or for example, if they're, anxiety about school is so great that you can't even get them to go to school. Like they will, you know, kick and scream and do whatever it takes. And um, so if it's getting in the way of, of their life and the things they really want, that's when we start being concerned about social anxiety. Um, and, and that's when, you know, when you're seeing these behaviors um, and that are so extreme that it is really disrupting your child's life and, and what's important to them. That's when you would want to, you know, talk to um, a mental health professional, talk to your pediatrician to get a referral um, for somebody who can help. Um, that's, you would really want to seek help when you notice that. Mm -hmm. um, I think we had spoken about this briefly. You mentioned that there were some sort of play groups or, or groups for young children with was it for shyness or for social skills? Yeah, so I've done um, some social skills groups um, in the past, and I think they can be really effective. I mean, the great thing about a social skills group is they can um, really work on building their social skills. So I think it, it's great. And I'm, I'm not sure with the pandemic what the availability mm. is of in-person social skills groups. Um, but I think it's a great resource um, because it basically what a social skills group does is it gives children, you know, the social rules. And then most importantly, they have a chance to practice it with other children. Um, and, you know, as a leader of these, we often try to make it fun and engaging and, um, and kids usually do have a good time and they make new friends. Um, and I think it's, it can be a really positive experience. How old are the kids that usually participate in these groups? 
Um, there are groups for preschoolers up into, um, you know, young adults. Um, so it really can, can vary. Um, yeah, there's a wide range of kids ages. I think it's, yeah, I think it's interesting to learn about these and important for parents to hear about this because we don't know, we might question, right? We might say, well, my child is only six years old or seven years old. I don't think they need a therapist for this, but it's not a one-on-one thing. It could be a group part, like kind of training. And like you said, that you guys, you make it fun. So I think it's interesting to hear that part. I had no idea that these existed. Yeah. And if you don't feel like if your child is more, you know, just a little shy, it can also help to find, you know, activities they really love. Like if they're really into um, dance, you know, sign them up for a dance class, then that can be a way, you know, to do something they love and also practice their social skills. So, you know, as, as we're getting more comfortable, um, as parents with these situations, making sure your child has the chance, um, to get out there and do activities and engage in things that they like, um, but also at the same time be practicing their social skills. We mentioned anxiety, but I, when I the last time I posted about shyness on on social media on Instagram, a parent mentioned something kind of interesting, and I wanted to bring this up with you. Um, I had mentioned that shyness is part of not their development, but that it's it's normal and um, that there are things we can do to help our child. But then somebody said how do we know what about selective mutism um and i didn't know enough about this sort of i topic and to know what to say um what is selective mutism and where does this fall within everything that we're talking about so selective mutism is a specific diagnosis where a child actually cannot speak um in certain situations and what you'll often see is a contrast between Um, you know, at home, they could be super chatty. Um, And with familiar people, they're super chatty. And then um, in certain situations or with certain people, it's, it's like they cannot speak. Um, And they, you often see them, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like a a flight or fight response, um, where they just kind of freeze. Um, And you'll see like, it's like their expression freezes, they are super tense. um, And and a lot of parents are like, come on, just talk. And it's it's like they can't do it. And this, you know, it tends to emerge around toddlerhood, like around age two to four. Um, and it, it's a serious condition that you would want to seek um, help for. What does this fall under in terms of diagnosis? Is this an anxiety disorder? Yeah, so it is an anxiety disorder. Um, you can see it, it, it can sometimes be associated with um, other anxiety disorders. Sometimes it can be associated with um, developmental disorders like autism. Um, sometimes it can be associated with trauma. So if a child um, experienced a traumatic event, they might have difficulty speaking in different sorts of situations. Um, and it, it, it impacts about one in 140 kids. So it's actually more common than, than you may think. Um, but yeah. And it isn't something that'll just pass with time, right? So if a parent is listening to this and they feel that their child falls within that, it's something that you need to speak to a doctor with uh, about. Yeah. So, um, it, I mean, it could pass with time, but for the most part, mm-hmm. it really involves treatment. Um, and, and the typical treatment for that is called cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and that's really effective at um, helping children, you know, kind of like um, the approach to shyness that I talked mm-hmm. about. Um, they would work through that with the therapist um, on, you know, a more intense level. So they would, you know, start with the situations that make them the least anxious um, and then very slowly work up to the situations that make them more and more anxious. Um, you can also, you know, have a parent with you while they're talking and then the parent moves farther and farther away. So making it slightly more Um, challenging for them. Um, And, um, you know, just slowly building up the the skills and the confidence in the same way you would work with shyness. Um, I'd like to step away from the talking as professionals, but now as moms, (laughs) because I, I, um, with three kids, I have two out of the three that were very shy. and, And like I said, they grew out of it. But just 
I don't know how it was for you as well, Marion, if, if any of your kids were shy growing up. And I know you mentioned, Kara, uh, that one of yours was the opposite of that. <laughs> yeah. um, but just the comments that you get from parents or from strangers. I've literally had, like, we were out for a walk once and a stranger said hi to one of my kids. And they, were, they froze because first, it's a stranger. And yeah. they've been taught, like, just don't talk to strangers. So they hesitated. Um, but then the, the the stranger's reaction right away is, oh, he's shy. And it's like, well, he doesn't know you. And actually, I'm shy too. I don't, I'm not comfortable talking to you. You know, I, yeah. I won't respond to you the same way as somebody that I know. I, I Socially, I'm somebody who's a bit more reserved. And it's so interesting how we label kids so quickly, especially with shyness. I find that that's an easy one to just throw out there, even family members, strangers. <laughs> Yes, I think labeling it is very common and yeah. spoken about in such a negative way. I think, you know, as parents, we have to work hard to, um, you know, not label our child as shy yeah. and, and to talk about, you know, just objectively talk about the behaviors that you see, you know, um, it took you a little bit longer to start talking to your friends at the birthday party um, I noticed, you know, and, and that was good. because you were looking around and you were paying attention and you were looking for the right time to say something like that was really good. You, you're really paying attention to other people and you're probably learning a lot. Um, so making sure you talk about it positively, I think is a huge one. Um, and, you know, also, you know, I think it's important to, um, not act, you know, surprised, when your child does talk because well, that can really negatively reinforce it. So if you, you know, afterwards, um, you want to tell them, you know, Oh, that was really great. Um, you don't want it in front of their friends to be like, Oh, you finally talked like <laughs> good job. Cause that's going to embarrass them and just make things worse. Yeah. Um, you know, make their shyness worse. So, um, just make sure that, you know, you do notice and praise them, but wait until after good the point. interaction. Yeah. yeah, I think as a parent, uh, we might not that that might not have crossed our mind because if you've been working on this with them and all of a sudden your three or four year old does speak to a little child at yeah. the park, you might be so excited and celebrate at that moment. And they're like, wait, hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> now, now this is becoming embarrassing. <laughs> I never would yeah. have thought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and shy kids are really worried that other people are judging them. Mm. So you, that's particularly bad for a shy kid. Mm. Um, so just being careful about that. And um, how about the opposite? Because I know you spoke about one of your kids and, and one of mine is, is also, it's actually it's the, the pandemic one, <laughs> the pandemic baby where <laughs> he's two now and coming out of this, you know, family members were worried um, this summer that he wouldn't be speaking to anybody, wouldn't want to be held by anybody, but it's the opposite. He is the most outgoing out of all three. Um, how, is there something... I guess the support for the opposite, right? So if one of our kids <laughs> is just speaking to strangers, going into their arms, like being like their best friend right off the bat, is should we let that go or should yeah. we bring them back a little bit? <laughs> um, you know, I think it's always best to accept children how they are. And again, tell tell that child about what a strength it is that like they're not afraid. They can stand up for themselves. They're assertive. Um, you know, what a strength that is to be, have that personality because they might get some negative, although our society does tend to value that more, they might end up getting some negative feedback. Um, the one thing I've come across with my child is um, because she doesn't always um, stop back and observe. Um, sometimes it, the entering a group can be difficult. Um, so, you know, it, it's she, if there were a group of kids, she's just going to jump in and, you know, without even, um, you know, kind of seeing what's going on. Um, so, so just helping them a little bit with those skills of initiating interactions, like maybe, maybe you just want to step back and like, see what's going on first and, and practice that with them, you know, um, because they can just be so eager to jump in, um, and also, you know, something else that's helpful to practice is, um, you know, talking about how others might feel if you say certain things. So, um, you know, for example, like how would somebody feel if you said, um, you know, that they were not your favorite friend or something, maybe it's true, but 
you know, that is probably not something you want to say to somebody. How would they feel inside? What would they be thinking? Um, so working on them with perspective taking skills and empathy because they might be so fast to just say something or do something without stopping and thinking through how others might be feeling. Yeah, that's interesting. How, how important do you think it is to talk to your kids about how other kids in a situation like I can see you're very uh, very outgoing and, and you're you're making friends really easily but are you is there someone that's maybe not talking up as much and maybe it's because they are a little shy and how can we make it easier for that yeah for that. my kids are a little bit older so my daughter's just going to high school and, and she does make friends really easily but I, I remember going to high school and how scary it can be and some people don't make friends as easily and so like try, I've always, I'm always thinking about how can you make sure that you're including everyone in, in your group? Yes. Yes. I think, you know, those kids who are more outgoing, um, talking to them about, you know, how to make sure, you know, that other children and children who are more shy are more comfortable. Like, for example, if there's a really shy kid, you know, you may not want to just run up and give them a hug. You know, you might want to approach them slowly don't ask them a lot of questions, give them a chance, you know, to, to kind of educate those children about what might make a shy child feel more comfortable. Cause it, it's going to be difficult for them to put themselves in that position if they've never been shy. Um, so yeah, I think that's really important talking about how to, you know, make all of our friends feel comfortable who have different needs. Um, I think that's a great, I think, uh, yeah, I also think for adults, <laughs> I yeah. think as I've had kids, I've become more aware of all these differences and I can see now at, with some of my adult friends that everyone's different. I, I'm probably considered more shy. I'm, I'm not as outgoing as let's say my husband or other, and then I can see other people who are really not outgoing. And so yeah. you start to appreciate all these personality differences and how you can help them or <laughs> help yourself yes. in different situations. Yes, I think that's the really interesting thing when you have a child that's very different from yourself because it it does help you like develop empathy for what that must be like. And, um, you know, that's one of the, the beauty of our kids and one of the most challenging things too. Uh, Marion, you, you mentioned like the, the child or, or maybe Kara did, but like running up to a new, a new kid, you know, to make friends. Part of me thinks of like that whole not consent but that body bubble i've been speaking to my kids about that um th these past few weeks because for their own for them for themselves because they they keep like being they're in the face of the two-year-old <laughs> and like he has a bubble but he doesn't know how to describe it or get them to stop and the only thing he can do is scratch them or, or pinch them or bite them so i was trying to explain to them that we all have this sort of bubble and that you have to respect somebody's bubble and not be like here <laughs> right nose to nose and you know to give them some space so i guess that falls within like speaking of like the social skills or i guess the 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 rules right that we don't really think of as adults because we we know that we don't talk to a person nose to nose but kids have to learn all those rules like the basic rules too from the start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What I typically tell kids is, you know, put out your arm. Mm. That's about how far you want to be, um, from somebody. And then you want to practice that distance with them and without them have to actually hold their arm out because that is <laughs> yeah. going to look a little yeah. weird. Um, so, so practice that distance with them. Um, and something else, you know, I would advise for, you know, um, you know, shy or outgoing children would be to look at somebody's face mm -hmm. and try to learn how to determine if they feel comfortable or uncomfortable and practice that with them. Be like, you know, make an uncomfortable face and like, or use an uncomfortable, <laughs> like I'm a really uncomfortable tone of voice and, um, and practice that. And when they get closer, you know, that's when you start looking more uncomfortable and, at, you know, as kids get older, you can also explain how different people have different levels of comfort, mm -hmm. you know? Some people are perfectly fine being right up in somebody's face. It doesn't bother them. And some people need like more than an arm's yeah. length. Um, so, so noticing those different, you know, as kids get older and more socially skilled, noticing what different people need. Some people, you know, when they greet a friend, always give them a hug. Some people, you know, my husband, for example, has loved the pandemic because he's like, <laughs> finally, I don't have to hug people when I see them. Um, so everybody's different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, the, that, in terms of their the fist punch the fist pump yeah <laughs> yeah he's so happy that uh -huh. that's the 
Um, and, and the other way too, the other direction where your own child, you can teach them about their boundaries. Um, I've noticed one of my kids, you know, that we have a neighbor who is, doesn't really respect the bubble. <laughs> um, so one of my kids will kind of move back a little bit and the other child doesn't notice that. So I'll have the conversation with my child saying that it's okay. And you can also verbalize like you're in my space, like give me a bit of space to breathe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, so both parents should be having that conversation, right? So for me teaching my child, it's okay to have, to want your personal space, but the other parents should also explain to their child, did you notice how he kept moving backwards? <laughs> That's yeah. because you're in his bubble. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And again, bring it up, make sure you bring up stuff like that afterwards yeah. because it can be embarrassing for a child in the moment. But yeah, if you notice that, you know, talk to your child afterwards and, and, and like I've said, practice, practice, practice. That's the key um, because, you know, a child could know you know, that in their head that they need to stay an arm's length, but it's hard in the moment when you're excited and, you know, um, so practice is key. Um, before I get into the Q&A from the parents, so a few parents sent us some questions. Um, is there something we didn't touch on that you would like to tell parents or is there perhaps like a top three things that you'd like, you know, parents should start doing with their kids to help them develop these social skills? Um, you know, I think it's important to talk to your children, especially as they get older about their own values and their own, um, social needs, because a lot of times we put on our children, our social needs, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, as a very social person myself, I might, you know, if, if I have a shy child, I might have, or an introverted child, I might have a lot of difficulty with that being like, well, don't you want to go play with your friends? Like, why do you just want to be up in your room reading books, you know, but it's important to ask them as they get older, you know, what, what is your kind of ideal situation? Do you like just like one really close friend? Do you like to have a lot of friends? Do you like loud parties? Do you like it quiet and let them know that it's okay. Um, you know, especially because our society does value such extroverted people to let them know it's okay to be introverted. It's okay to just want to be up in your room reading books, or it's okay to, to need that before you go to a social situation, because that's kind of how you recharge. Um, and so just kind of assessing what are their social needs and accepting it for what it is. You know, some, some children are happy just having one friend. They don't need anybody else. They, you know, and, and that's okay. So letting them know that that's, that's fine um, for it to be however they want it to be. I love that. That really is important. We Me forget too. that. You're right. We, we push what our own, not agenda, but our own needs and the way that we are thinking that they're going to be the same, but they are their yeah. own person. We have to remember yeah. that. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. So here are a few questions that we received on Instagram from parents. Um, what do you say to a seven-year-old child if they describe themselves as shy as an excuse not to speak to people? Yeah. So I think it's really important to not let our children like totally avoid situations, you know? So I would say to that child, you know, I would try to take away the label and be like, you know, it's okay to be nervous about speaking to people. But, you know, explain to them, you know, a seven, I think is old enough to understand this, why it's important to practice, you know, even if they don't have a lot of social needs, um, you know, which you can talk to them about that, but th they also need to be able to stand up for themselves. You know, they need to, if they're at school, raise their hand and say, I need to go to the bathroom, you know, <laughs> so explain to them why they need this skill um, and then say, you know, talk to them about what would help you to practice, you know? So, so would it help to practice with me standing right there? Would it help to practice with just one other kid? Um, so help, you know, don't throw them into a birthday party and be like, talk to people, um, work up to it. And, um, and, you know, start small, work with them. Don't let them completely avoid a situation um, because like I said before, when they, when a child completely avoids it, their anxiety, it's only reinforcing their anxiety about the situation. This is an, an interesting one. Do you think culture is shifting its view uh, of shyness being a bad trait? I think it's possible. You know, I think with the pandemic and with, um, um, you know, so much more of what we do being online. Um, I think it in 
you know, with the tech world, there's a lot of value in people kind of doing their own work on their own time and not being a part of these, you know, big group collaborative group. Um, so I think that there is, there's also an awareness um, of these differences. You know, I see a lot out there about, you know, saying you're an introvert and, and it's being okay with that and accepting of that. Um, you know, I think, I think there is probably a cultural shift coming, but um, I do think currently our society does tend to value extroversion and outgoing personalities more. That's true. Um, this is what's interesting to me. So I have, you know, about 25 questions here from parents and the, the most common word that they've included is bad. Is it bad? Yeah. Is shyness bad? Is it bad that my three-year-old tells me they're shy? Is shyness really a bad thing? The word bad, do we, we tend to place it or, or, or even characteristics or skills that, you know, with our children, is it good or is it bad? And I, I love that you've mentioned a few times now that it, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> um, yeah. But we, we, we tend to use that word a lot for our kids. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think, you know, going back to the importance of labels, you know, we just want to be really careful with the language we use with our kids um, because how we label them mm. becomes their reality. Um, so, so yeah, you know, like I've said earlier, it, it, is, it isn't a bad thing. And I think it's important to really um, help children to see that their strengths because they are, you know, they're getting the same messages from society that all these parents who sent you questions have given, have gotten, you know, that shyness is bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. extra you know being outgoing is good yeah, exactly. um mm -hmm. and so I think that it's really important as parents to try to counter those messages that they're getting from from society um a few of the questions mention uh, again something in common and we touched upon this but I just want to ask one of their questions but I know you mentioned before that if a child is shy we shouldn't be throwing them into a birthday party <laughs> however yeah. a few questions asked here one person says my spouse wants to send our two-year-old to preschool to help him with to be uh, to help him with their social skills any thoughts on that and then another person said should I encourage my shy two-year-old to play with kids when at a play group so I think you've outlined already the steps that we can take um, but what about taking a younger child and kind of putting them into a situation where you're not there and they'll have no choice but to make friends? Is is that, I guess, uh, one way to go about it? Yeah, I think, you know, I think preschool can be a great situation um, to work on social skills. You know, like I've said, practice is really key. Um, so preschool is a great way to practice. If you don't feel comfortable with preschool or it's it's not in your budget it's not necessary like there are many ways to address it um you you can work on play dates on your own you can sign your child up for activities with other children um so there are lots of ways to practice social skills you don't necessarily have to send them to preschool um there you know there's many studies showing that you know children who go to preschool don't necessarily show better social skills than children who um, are at home, particularly if you're working on with them. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think if, if you do want to send them to preschool, make sure that you um, work up to it. So you don't want to just throw them into preschool on the first day and be like, figure it out. That's kind of like throwing them into the deep end and being like swim. Um, so we, you know, we want to, first of all, give them all the information possible of what preschool is going to be like. And you can ask the teacher to give you a little bit more, um, you know, come up create a book for them or you know if you don't have time for that just read other books about preschool there's a lot out there um, about what it's going to be like um if possible to visit the preschool meet the teacher meet other children um you know talk about what they can do you know what do you do when you see a child playing with a toy that you want um, you know, practice that role play it um, so that they feel prepared for it. Um, and, you know, with play dates too, like we've said, work up to it. Um, don't just throw them into a play date with 10 kids and figure it out. Um, start slow, start with a child they know, 
um, and a child, you know, maybe handpick the child, like somebody who maybe is a little bit more sensitive to um, their shyness mm -hmm. um, and, and work up to more and more difficult situations. Um, you, I have a, I have a question. Let's say theoretically, I'm not, <laughs> um, there could be parents, you know, they've already, they've already done that. And I can speak for myself too, with my first, with preschool, I wasn't, I was just like, whatever, they're going to preschool. And I just dropped them off <laughs> and it was pretty, and she was young. And cause in Quebec, we have daycare and it's really, um, like every, every kid in Quebec, not every kid, a lot of kids in Quebec, just that's default. You go to, you go to, kinder, you go to preschool starting at, at one. And so when I'm looking back, I think, yeah, I, I really just dropped her off. I didn't, there was no lead up. There was no, you know, like the first day, maybe she only went for an hour, but then the second day she was there all day. And so if someone's looking back and saying like, yeah, maybe I didn't, that wasn't the best approach. Is there any uh, way to deal with maybe any, some guilt or some repair that you might think that parents yeah. could think about? Yeah, I mean, we we all have done stuff like that. I can definitely <laughs> tell you that, you know, when you, especially when we're all so busy, it's like you don't really realize what a big deal it is until after it happens. And um, yeah. so, so to just rest assured, we've all done stuff like that. Um, and remember that, you know, particularly with, with the daycare preschool, they were in a safe environment. You know, it's, it's good for children to have a little bit of stress in a safe environment. Um, so, so I would not feel guilty if, you know, you haven't taken all these steps. I would just look to the future and think about how can I in the future work to prepare my children for these situations. Um, and, and to know that none of us, you know, even, you know, I've, led social skills groups. And, you know, I, I sometimes don't know what to do in these situations. And, and it, it, I, all parents make mistakes and, and don't get it right every single time. Right. And I think that that's a really great uh, point that some stress isn't important. And yeah. given everything else was going pretty well, that that may have been, that may have been good for for yeah. her in, in that situation. And, and at the moment, at the time, I didn't feel that she was very stressed going to daycare. I felt like everything was going okay. But when I do look back, I think, well, maybe I should have taken some more time. <laughs> but she's okay. One is young too, right? We we start, like you said, here in Quebec, by one, just about every child is, is in childcare. But even now that I've been speaking to some parents who are in the States, their mat leave sometimes is as short as eight weeks, six weeks, and then the child's and yeah. you can't at six weeks old <laughs> teach the child or <laughs> role play, right? To get them ready to be in these situations. So it's like you said, sometimes we can't really do anything about it or we do our best. And, you know, we, yeah. to look back right. at the guilt is not going to add anything, <laughs> you know, new. Yeah. One one sounds old to me to start daycare. Yeah, right. Because yeah. Of yeah. I mean, I would say 12 weeks is probably the average yeah. here. So yeah, so I didn't know that until and, recently. And yeah, there's not there's nothing um, you can really do with a 12 week old besides, you know, make sure you pick, you know, loving and um, care, you know, responsible caregivers. Yeah. Thank you for, for joining us today of and chatting course. about shyness and sh social skills. Before we let you go, I'd love to learn um, how we can reach you and, and where we could find you online. Yes. Yeah, so um, I have an Instagram account, which is at Parenting Translator and a website, www.parentingtranslator.com. And my goal is really to take the scientific research that's out there and to translate it for parents um, in ways that is is useful to them um, and helps to make their everyday lives a little bit easier. And that's how we connected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen your Instagram. It's really great. I love that you do. You and Cindy both do so much work uh, behind these Instagram posts. It's very admirable because I know I've read scientific articles and then to try and translate it it's like another, it's really another level. And then to make it really accessible to parents is, is great. So people should definitely check out both of your accounts. And I, I love the work you do. We, we, yeah, we, we, <laughs> that's how we connected online and we keep chatting. We, we yeah. send each other stuff and we have to collaborate again because we yeah. do the same thing and you, we have the same passion and goal where we could just bring the science to parents because there's so much. Yeah to learn from, from the articles yes, that isn't being so out much there. out there. And, um, 
And I, you know, Cindy has always been a role model of mine because she's been doing it for so much longer. Um, so I'm, you know, learning from her and, and I think it's so important to, to get the information out there for parents. Uh, I agree. Um, before I let you go, you, you briefly mentioned books. Is there, are there any that you could recommend? And if you can't think of them, it's okay. I'll add them to the show notes, but I just wanted to bring it up. In terms of, um, helping children. For social skills. I think you know, it yeah, really depends. Um, you know, I really like using fiction books where, um, a character kind of overcomes a worry that they have. Um, like Ruby finds a worry is, is an example of that. Um, okay. but yeah, I think, um, I'll, I'll think about it and I can send you okay. some for the yeah. show notes, definitely. Yeah, because it would be nice to add a few resources, yeah. an article or two and some books. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much, Kara, for joining us today. And I hope we chat again soon. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks. It was great meeting you. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. Please take a moment to subscribe to the Curious Neuron podcast, leave a rating and a review on iTunes. You can follow Curious Neuron at Curious underscore Neuron on Instagram and Curious Neuron podcast as well on Instagram. You can visit our website at CuriousNeuron.com and you can always email me at info at CuriousNeuron.com. Send me an email to let me know if you're enjoying these Am I the Only One um, series where I talk with parents. Our next episode, I'll be speaking with a father and talking about his traumatic childhood um, abuse and how he has learned that it's important to work through the trauma to help in his parenting as well. Um, so stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.